and welcome to the Pilgrim's Digress. West. That, that was funny. Quick. That was yeah, quick. I know. I turned it around. Yeah, you're a real pro. I am the Reverend Zach, and this is Mr. Sagacity. We are here to digress upon. Uh, that's not right. I keep, I keep having preposition troubles. We're going to digress concerning. Once you get to a certain age, I hear that's all that mm. ever happens. We're going to have a discussion about chapter 15 called Hopeful. Yeah. Kind of an origin story for Hopeful. And also uh, look at what was going on with Faithful during the last episode when Christian was very angry and sullen locked in his cell during several days of uh, awaiting a trial and Vanity Fair. So, initially, my goal was to start out by talking about uh, where we deviated a bit from the uh, original Bunyan classic, The Pilgrim's Progress. And in this case... I've taken a conversation that Christian and Hopeful have much later on the Enchanted Ground and turned it into something that's actually happening in the moment because that's far more interesting to read. No one told Bunyan. <laughs> that 20-some-odd pages of just dialogue <laughs> between two characters where nothing is happening right. is fun to read. Well, in podcast form, it would just be the sound of footsteps while they yeah. talk, and there's enough of that already in, in this podcast. I right. think. I'm, I've, I've got, <laughs> I, I recently organized my, my kind of catalog of sound effects that I've licensed, and I think I have something like 58 different footstep variations. Yeah. At any rate... Uh, powerful man. <laughs> you know, it's a weird flex, yeah, but it's, it's powerful, fine. I own yeah. it. <laughs> Some of them, I've, I made them myself. I've got, you know, have you seen my uh, my setup at, at home, the the big Rubbermaid thing full of dirt with... You know, I've, I've, I haven't seen this at home. I've walked into this church office. Oh, right. I didn't hear one And time. there was kind of just accoutrement and stuff <laughs> spread everywhere. And you're like, what is and this? A big... We have to a VHS tape here. Well, I thought maybe you got a cat. Because <laughs> there was... Yeah. It's like, oh, is this is this some kind of litter box? Litter box? No, it yeah. was it was a little Foley box. And, and, and I'll tell you what, man, there was yeah. a day, and this is something that seems embarrassing to most people, I think, but not for the committed job, uh, yeah. yeah, podcaster here. Uh, there was a day I put on women's shoes and I and I walked in the box of dirt. Okay, so when we're talking women's shoes, what are we saying? We're saying heels? No, there was no heels. Okay, but they, they that's disappointing. But and, all right, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> And, you know, this could segue us into the actual content, but Wanton walks beside Faithful mm-hmm. along the road uh, up toward the gate. And I'm like, well, you have to have two sets of footprints, and then one of them has to be, like, littler and somehow lighter. Yeah. I, I, I thought lighter, you know? I, I, you thought lighter. I, I should have brought the whole thing and a lot of soundproofing up to where I have that Iron Gym oh, yeah. pull-up bar thing. And I could have, like, held some of my weight up off of Ooh. But I don't think that would have translated onto the yeah. VHS tape anyway. You're, the you're, pilot VHS tape was for grass, by the way. It's like grass sounds. Oh, I, well, I remember that. Yeah. You're hearing jokes, but I I admire your dedication. <laughs> it is something else, buddy. I admire it, too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so that's one thing. And then the other is um, I felt like Faithful had some scores left to settle, mm-hmm. especially since what when he catches up with um, Christian, he talks about two main things that are still vexing him. And one is that he doesn't know if he fully escaped this woman wanton. Yeah. And the other is that when Adam the first grabbed him and yanked on him, something inside of him was pulled away. Yeah. Uh, and so I figure in the same way that 
Christ was in the garden. I, I assume, and I think many people read the Bible, assume that when it says that from the initial temptation, Satan left him for an opportune time until an opportune time, that the opportune time was probably Gethsemane, where mm-hmm. he's sweating blood and he's, you know, he's really coming face to face with what's about to happen. And for faithful, it seemed like a, a similar thing might happen where the enemy would say, oh, you're at your weakest. I could maybe break you. There's a chance to get out of this. There's, you know, there's a chance to be distracted from it, mm. all this stuff. And I listened to it again after it was locked in. And I thought, is there a chance that this could be interpreted as faithful reaching sinless perfection, where he defeats the Adam in him and knows that he'll never have to deal with him again? I mean... I didn't intend that. Yeah. I think that there's a part of faithful that knows that he's, he's going to die. die. That, that was what I intended for yeah, it to be. Yeah, and I think there's a part of it that knows that he's going to die, not only for Christ, but kind of for Christian. Mm-hmm. Because Christian can't. Right. Christian can't. He's if, going to stand up and make this trial about him. Yeah. 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 I'm going to take I'm going to take this because... And this kind of, I think, plays into um, one of his other sins, you know, which is, which is this manly man kind of thing that people have attacked. I have a book that tells you that's a virtue, not a sin, buddy. Well, uh, less of it? a... No, I'm good. <laughs> I, mean, I don't need that. I don't need that garbage in my life. It's going to end up back on your shelves. Oh. Yeah. Or worse. For all you know, it's in your house now. That's what I'm saying. I know it's not. I know. Ex- I, could, I could put my hands on it. Have you taken it? No, I'm just saying oh, I could. All right. Well. I see your keys. I know your car is. Uh-huh. Yeah. If it's still in there. Anyway, I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> I digress from our digression. How dare you? So one of the things is that he, he's self-reliant. Yeah. You know, you know, he has this attack that kind of gets levied at him where, you know, well, well, this is a sissy's religion. Real men aren't meek. Real men aren't like Christ at all. Right. Um, and that's in our culture to the point where you can write a book called Gentle Jesus, Meek and Mild, and sure. people can freak out on it. Yeah. But this is kind of to the credit. No, no, I am, I am that guy. I can take this. I can do this. I can do this for my friend. This is true love that one would give. Yeah, lay down his life for his his friends. I'll do it. Obviously, we're not saying that being manly is sinful. No, we're we're saying that confidence in the flesh and like the the version of manliness that says like, well, pilgrim, I've got a, you know, everything's on my shoulders. Yeah, that's that's true religion, and you know, it kind of confuses a certain kind of. Americana with a certain kind of cowboy aesthetic that probably never really existed in the the old West. Sure. And, and, and kind of just, you know, John, I, mean, I love John McClane. I recently watched, my son and I have been watching Liam Neeson action movies. Okay. I get a kick out of that stuff. It's not Christianity. That's mm. not, that's not a tenant of Christianity. You won't want to be that guy? I mean, I am that guy, but I, I don't have to be. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, I think it's him kind of realizing True manliness is going to look like when Christian says, do I draw the sword and fight this guy? Is mm. this going to happen? Him saying, no, we show that we are worthy of Christ and, and we show that we are then true men. This is how yeah. we quit ourselves like men. They're told that. Quit yourselves like men when you get to that city yeah. by being willing to suffer. Yeah. And he's he's now willing to suffer. And so, yeah, I think, and I'm glad that you, you grabbed right onto that, that he knows he's going to die like Paul. Mm-hmm. I'm being poured out like a drink offering, and I know the time of my departure is close at hand. Well, like Peter, right? I mean, Second Peter 1, 
he knows he's going to die because Christ Jesus told me I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And the last thing that I want to do with my life is to make sure that you can easily recall the gospel of Jesus Christ. After my exodus, my yeah. exodus. After I'm, after I'm yes. gone. Yep. That's the focus of real men at the end of their lives, I so think. Peter goes on that same journey then from yeah. real men is you draw the sword and swing at heads yeah. to I need to make sure you're taken care of spiritually mm-hmm. as I go and die. So yeah, he, he knows there's not going to be an opportunity for him again to have to face down this he he won the battle, and I, I don't I didn't have a trouble trouble saying he kind of defeated his demons here hmm. yeah. by the power of Jesus because it's all done by God's power working through him. You know, it's God who works to will and to work, hmm. and that's what's happening here. And then at the end, just filling in some gaps of you know what caused the big earthquake that opened the door uh, yeah. for Christian to get out. Sure. It was Hopeful's big confession hmm. of, of his faith. And standing up to somebody. Because I, I didn't really belabor it, but the idea is that this guy was everybody's punchline, everybody's, yeah. you know. He's a jester, right? He's, yeah, he's a, yeah. He's a complete, he's a, yeah, fool. He's, he's everyone's he's, fool. Yeah, he's a joke. Yeah, yeah. So so he's now standing up to someone. No, I'm not wearing this coat as a, as a gag. Mm. I belong to Jesus. And that's a great way to start out your journey, I think. Mm. And I think there's also a beauty of just like bringing one pilgrim's journey to an end and then another journey begins, and they they met yeah. together. Like, the blood of the martyrs here truly is yeah. the seeds of the church. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's not just going to be him, by the way. It says in, in Bunyan's work, going into the next chapter, that there are several others, many others. Like, this, this is they're going to take their time, he says, yeah. but they'll, they'll be coming after us. This, this had an effect. This had an impact. All right, cool. Let's, uh, let's look at these many texts. And hey, look at these sweet look sheets. Look at these sweet Sweet sheets. <laughs> Look at the, I did the indents of the scriptures. Yeah. That's, you know what? That's quality craftsmanship. Words Dude, I'll say. You can bring that home with you if you want when we're done. <laughs> Gee, thanks, pal. <laughs> so we're going to be looking at texts that are, that are uh, cited in these footnotes in a conversation between Christian and hopeful. So sometimes the person who said the thing in the episode will not be the person who said it in... Uh, Bunyan's original work, but we're not going to dwell on that. We're just going to get from from a statement to the text and discuss these things. So the first big conversation between hopeful and faithful about, you know, why are you willing to die, etc. He immediately, faithful immediately, points the spotlight back on hopeful. And it's mm-hmm. essentially like, why don't you have anything you're willing to die for? Yeah. Uh, and very quickly finds that this guy surprisingly, perhaps, because he seems like such a a goof all the time, Mm -hmm. has struggled spiritually, has tried to find ways to ease his conscience and and stem the spiritual suffering uh, during times of conviction. Mm. So he goes right to, you know, I've thrown myself into the things of the fair, the amusements of the fair, and Faithful says, I think I'm not telling you anything new, that all of those things, not only are they useless, you know that they only scratch the itch for a moment, but they will eventually lead you to perdition and destruction. Uh, and the text there is 1 Timothy 6, verse 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into snares, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Hmm. He didn't say he desired to be rich, but uh, I guess there's some overlap here. It's a hmm. similar idea because the amusements that come with being wealthy are often the goal. Yeah. Right? They have that Instagram lifestyle of... Well, and the and... point, I think, in a lot of, you know, sinful desire towards being rich is to be able to be your own God, right? 
I no longer need to pray for food. I can buy my own food. I no longer need to grovel or, or, or ask or this or that. I can, you know, fund my own godhood in a way. That's the sense that I get from a lot of like really, really rich gaudiness is that you look at it and you go, okay, yeah, what you're doing is you're looking for a way to obtain all of those amusements anyways. So I think there's a lot of connecting tissue between looking for these fleeting, falling, dying escapisms in this life and then being rich so that you can afford all of the you know, fleeting, flying, dying right. escapisms. If um, you're a self-contained unit, then A, you don't worry about standing before someone else because you true. are self-sufficient. And yeah, anything you want, you can just apply yeah. to those longings for a immediate sense of relief. Uh, in, in the moment, if I feel like <laughs> I'm getting older and life is getting shorter and judgment is coming sooner, yeah. I could just be like, oh, look, another shiny thing or... Call Radio City Music Hall and buy out the 11 o'clock show. We're going to the movies. I don't know what that is. So that reference to Annie. Like the orphan? Yeah, it's like the movie from the 80s. Wow. Yeah, it's All a right. deep cut, buddy. That's um, some kind of cut. <laughs> Does it cut deep for you? Is it is it convicting? Dude, it means nothing to okay. me. Okay, well, there yeah. you go. <laughs> so Faithful lists... Uh, all of the things that he used to do before his conversion. Originally, that was Hopeful's list of sins, but I wanted to point out they all, you know, they're, they're similar. Like, mm. yeah, Faithful is like the guy you don't want to tangle with. Hopeful's the guy that everybody pushes around, but both of them were doing the same thing. Yeah. Outwardly, they can be very different, but inwardly, all of their satisfaction is fleshly. Uh, it's all amusements. And so he lists his sins, and these are very much, like, in order, the same sins that that Bunyan struggled with, that he relates in Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners, his own kind of autobiography, spiritual autobiography, Uh, and the the reference given uh, in the scriptures, which is another list of similar sins, is Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Mr. Sagacity has just pointed out that that the coat I'm wearing is making a lot of noise. I'm going to take it off. I have it on because our boiler at the church is not working. And so... I just don't want you to hate yourself. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for looking out for me, man. It's, on, it's off. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So this list of things that summed up Hmm. his former life. Yeah. All of our former lives. Yeah. You should be able to find yourself in there, I think. Hmm. If you're being honest. Uh, Yep, yep, yep. I see. I think think if any of us are being honest. (laughs) Yeah, and not just in one or two. Mm. uh, If nothing else, you start with idolatry, the breaking of the first commandment, which is essentially every sin. Hmm. Uh, And, of course, who hasn't dabbled in sorcery? I know that you did (laughs) in your goth face. (laughs) Sure. Did you ever do a spell on anyone? Tell me you did. Well, I was a very, very stringent atheist, so... Oh, all yeah. right. In, any kind of beliefs. Even, like, beliefs in, like, an energy, dark energy and stuff? No. Okay. Garbage. Well, yeah, I wouldn't have actually thought. I would yeah. Have, because you are very... Uh, yeah, everything's procreation and food. Oh. And that was... Gosh. I, I there's could, Darwinism I could go you. through it and I could pick out then yeah. which are the works of flesh that, that uh, were your poison. Pick your poison. Yeah. And they are poison. Absolutely. So these things are the, the very things that are supposed to lift you up, right? We need to get you out of the house, man. You're mm. just sitting at home feeling sorry for yourself. Let's go out and get drunk. Let's go out mm. and get a girl for you to hook up with or a guy. Let's go out and, you know, whatever. Or let's let's 
get real angry at people. That feels good. Talk right rivalries. Like, have you ever noticed? Maybe it's just me, hmm. but like talking crap about people can raise your mood really quick, and then it has such a gross aftertaste and like such a bad after feeling that that brings you back down so much harder. I think that's true if I have to meet the person. If it's like a politician or something. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, certainly politicians are. You probably people. earned it. But um, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it, it's all of this stuff is done to draw us away and to get us to not feel that natural thing in all of our, you know, the bottom of all of our hearts, which is we are fallen people. We are fallen sinners. We know that there are holes in our affections that we are trying to fill with trash and garbage because we look up at the throne and we see ourselves sitting in it. It's a very malnourishing sight. It isn't satisfied. It doesn't fill at all. So, you know, you got you to gotta do whatever you can to kind of give a shine to that, make that look better, make that feel better for a particular moment. But it, it goes away. It goes away. You need something more extreme next time mm-hmm. or you need something more next time or you need more people to pay attention to you, to, to, you know, worship you. And then you end up where the world kind of always ends up, which is a bunch of people worshiping themselves as things around them get worse and worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because well, people are focused on themselves. Fiddling is Rome Burns, right? The yeah. fiddling is the amusement. It's the... Yeah. It, it reminds me of, like, every Western from the 90s where, like, everything got gritty and, and realistic and they're like, this isn't your this isn't your white hat, black hat Western. Yeah, you're the expert. I have... Oh, man, I am. I'm no, drowning you have no here. Idea. I'm drowning here, yeah. Well, every one of these, there was, like, a, a very pretty young lady okay. who was hooked on laudanum. What's that? It's a it's like an opiate, I believe. It's it's like Ooh, a drug that, that you'd be prescribed by like a shady, you know, frontier town doctor who would say, "Here, just have a little of this, a little of this," those. and they would, <laughs> and and they would they would you know they sip it at this laudanum, and it would just kind of their eyes would go vacant, and before mm. long they're just like junkies. Oh no! But they've got this thing that. In the moment, what do I want? I want my laudanum, and and you know, in very kind of over the top '90s fashion, there'd be like these really melodramatic kind of transformations from the very vital, beautiful wow. woman who's you know the girl of the action lead, and then suddenly she's it's like a timepiece heroine kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. So, so I, sure. I could have said heroine, I suppose. That's what I'm. I don't know why. With. I, did, I, I don't, don't know. I don't. That's a real thing now. I don't know yeah. why my mind went to laudanum and and the. Uh, <laughs> The and frontier, frontier <laughs> doctors. I think never had a good experience with a frontier doctor myself. I, I think because it, it, the, the yeah. over the top thing. I don't know. <laughs> Why'd you call me on that? Man? We're doing a, we're doing a deep dive into Zach today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was beautiful. I did I did enjoy that. I learned something. <laughs> well, no no doctors prescribing heroin. I think is part of the the reason that I, I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It used to be a children's medicine. Well, my doctor has warned me against it. People have recently gone from, you know, those, these opiates yeah. that, that were prescribed painkillers into things like heroin. But for someone to say, here, this is good for you. Take this. Yeah. This will take the edge off in the moment. This will make you feel better in the moment. And you just need it more and more and more and more. And then, like you said, it's not really even doing it anymore. And you yeah. almost just want to check out and be out of it all the time. Yeah. And I know a lot of people... You know, it also, okay, here, here's, a, here's a reference you will get, and I think we brought this up once before. Jesse Pinkman. Sure. On Breaking Bad. Yeah. When he was tortured by, like, all the bad stuff he'd had to do and couldn't stand his house being empty or quiet. Yeah. He had to fill it with people. He had to crank up the really awful, like, Audis, like, 
rap rock, like Papa Roach or some yeah, garbage. Yeah, metal. Yeah. And, and, and like turn it up and play video games and like everything had to be stimulation all the time because otherwise he's alone with his thoughts and his thoughts include the bad things he's done. Yeah. And that, that was like a really over the top image of what every single person is, is doing outside of Christ. Yeah. And instead of bad music and anonymous sex and the house is packed full of people and throwing cash up in the air to wake everybody up, yeah. it might be extra volunteer hours or it might be just obsessing over keeping your 2021 Mazda super clean and detailed all the time. Whatever it is. Yeah. You know, there's these things that can, they feel good for a second. Yeah. They distract from all the things that feel bad because the assumption is, and I think this is kind of new, we don't deserve to feel bad. Hmm. You deserve, and this, this goes back, I think, at least a generation or two, but not, not indefinitely, you deserve to feel good about yourself and you deserve to accept yourself the way you are right now hmm. and anything that tells you that that's not true is a lie hmm. and banish it. you got to block out that noise. You, you can't have that kind of influence in your life. Sure. Well, it makes me think of, you know, the very beginning of John. I wondered how, how those people were living pre the light coming into the world. Mm. Right. Because you know, this is the thing that exposed and, and really, really showed, I think, and a lot of people are really deeply highlights is, you know, the presence of Christ in the world. So was it easier to hide in the darkness because there was no light and just everyone was in it together? We're mm -hmm. saying, well, we're all in it together. So, you know, no one's really calling me out on anything really serious. Just like we have here at the fair. Sure, there are fights and there are scuffles and there are this and there is that. But no just one's really yeah. right. No one's really calling anyone out on any problems because we all know that we all have this stuff that, you know, you know we're, we're secretly hiding. And yeah, I, I think you're right. The danger in developing a culture that's just saying all that shame that you feel secretly when you're alone in your bed at night, that's even a lie. Don't mm -hmm. feel those things. Right, right. Feel, feel those moments now. So let's invent, you know, a shining box that you can bring to bed with your, you know, self every single night. And, and you never have to have a quiet moment, right? Yeah. You can just stick stuff in your ears and you can constantly have people assuring you. And you can Affirmations have, as you fall asleep, which is, a, I mean, that would have yeah. sounded like a joke 10 years ago, but that's mm. like a multi-million dollar industry now. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what's running the world right now, right? Is increasing your self-image, your personal stock in this world. Get it, get it higher. It almost feels like our world now and Vanity Fair have something in common. That sounds crazy. <laughs> Conspiracy <laughs> theories. Now, it gets very quickly to the idea that because of these carnal things, these this list of, of sins, the wrath of God is coming and it will fall on the children of disobedience. Romans 6, 21 to 23, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which we are now ashamed? Not condemning the shame. Mm -hmm. uh, we are now ashamed of those things we did. It doesn't mean we dwell in shame uh, if we're bought by the blood of Jesus, but we're ashamed of them. Uh, the end of those things is death. But now that we have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, that last verse there, Romans 6.23, a lot of people have memorized. Hmm. This is the, the context of it. It's not all uplifting. Uh, it's saying there is this gift being offered. Hmm. But first, you have to acknowledge the first part of it. I think we tend to skip over that. Wages of sin is death, but don't worry about it. Because hmm. the gift of God is eternal life. But the wrath of God is coming on the children of disobedience all the same. And so even like getting involved in religious things and things that are unmistakably good at their core, 
doesn't cancel out the beginning of that. Yeah. Only one thing, only the blood of Christ can cancel out those wages of sin by paying uh, the debt. So Faithful asks, uh, were you better off? Did you regard yourself as better off on account of this religious involvement? Mm. And, and the answer, of course, is not a bit. Yeah. I, I knew that it wasn't helping me. Uh, I, uh, several texts here. Isaiah 64, 6. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our unrighteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. Yeah, it's tying. It's tying good fruit. Right, trying to tie good fruit to a dead tree, mm. and it's it's going to rot. Right, it's, it's not going to do anything. It's going to fall. It's going to you know rot into the ground. It's 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 still a dead tree. You don't have life. And that's something that's happened here and there. Uh, you read about an IMDb in the trivia section once in a while. It's supposed <laughs> to be this time of year, sure. and all the apples fell. And, and so they actually, I think, it's Pleasantville, which is a very ironic when you consider the message of that movie that they tied apples to a, a tree, and if you just leave them there, they'll rot there, yeah. and that's. Wow, yeah. what a what a good works, right? <laughs> right. There you go. That that's a picture. That, mm. that that's a, a fitting picture. And Luke seventeen ten. So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, "We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty." That's a teaching of Christ, and that that drum's not often beaten, even in the church. That there's an awful lot people do, and and in the back of their mind, it's crediting them something. It's earning them upward a little bit. Yeah. But even if you could do it perfectly. You've just done what you already owed him. Yeah. That's what Faithful really emphasizes, I think, here. I think that this is a really important message that really needs to be communicated to people when we are saving them, that it's not about good works. It's not about bettering your life. It's not about just doing the Christian things. There's real hard truths that kind of need to be swallowed and dealt with inside of ourselves first. And that is these realities that when he comes back to them, uh, the second time, or or maybe it was the third time, uh, Faithful says, well, actually, I'll add something to that because you've actually continued to sin. Right, yeah. You're not just working off a debt. You've actually continued to build onto that debt. So it's still not good enough. Um, that's something that early on when I got saved, and I think I think someone can be saved and still be confused about works righteousness. But early on when I got saved, there was a lot of these misconceptions about good works Good works, good works. Well, what, what am I doing here? These are kind of aiding in my salvation. Are these tying me closer to heaven? Well, no, not really. Because if I'm just doing those actions and then I'm living unrepentantly in other aspects of my life, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. What's really being accomplished here? You it's know? not about what you're doing. It's about what you're becoming. Yeah. And that will result in doing certain things. That's kind of what I meant was I think you can sit there and do something all day and it can have no effect on you. I think we can get involved in good works and things like that very, very passively. This is just something that's expected of me. This is just something, and then and then you go, well, yeah. So we can we can we can feed the poor, and you can and you could feed the poor all day. But like, if it's not being motivated by love for those people, if it's not actually coming from any of these Christ-centered places, well, the pagan can do that too. Yeah, Bill Gates can do that too. What makes it different? Well, the starting point makes it different, right? This is someone made in God's image. I ought to want to take care of them. I ought to want to. And in this way, I glorify God. Um, I think of Jesus' statements, you know, where if you visited someone in prison or you gave them a cup of water or you fed them or you clothed them, you did these things for me. That's a really important piece of the equation, I think, that oftentimes Christians miss when we're trying to engage in our culture or, well, if people just acted better, the world would change. If people just did better things, if people just didn't do this thing, if people just didn't get abortions, if, could, if, if we people could just roll didn't... back to when people were better neighbors to each other sure. in a simpler time. Sure. It doesn't matter if more people were regenerate. It's just, you know, if people acted better. Sure, it'd be nicer. 
Right. Like, right. yeah, like, oh, okay. We roll back to when gas is cheaper. That'd be nicer, but, be that nicer, doesn't but that doesn't solve any core problems. solve yeah. the issues. And then you're just going to get there again. You're yeah. going to get exactly to the same destination again because the heart wasn't really changed. Beginning that gospel message just as he's beginning this gospel message. Identifying with somebody in fallenness. Oh, I've done all of these things. Kind of making that chief of sinners argument. Oh, you have nothing on me. Yeah, yeah. You you're know? junior varsity sinner yeah. guy. I, yeah. I, I can do it. Paul, the chief of sinners, mm-hmm. who wrote most of the New Testament. Yeah. He's done everything. We've all been there. And such we were yeah. uh, before Christ. Uh, you referenced the shopkeeper analogy. That I think that's kind of the core of his interaction hmm. with faithful. The first part, which is when he says, basically, if you run yourself 100 pounds into the shopkeeper's debt, yeah. then you just start, you, you fall into a better job and you can pay for everything as you go. And you think, oh, I'm all set with him. Hmm. No, you're not. Yeah. In this case, the shopkeeper will probably sue him and have the debtor in prison until he pays the debt in full. Uh, and Galatians 3.10 is the reference. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Which is the same text that is uh, announced from the top of a hill morality. When evangelist says, if what I have said is true, let heaven bear witness. And hmm. here comes this voice. I think this whole idea also very much borrows from Jesus. Another Mount. Another Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, uh, which it's a, a text that, several, like, like several things on the Sermon on the Mount, people have either tried to say, don't, don't spiritualize that. You're, you're wrecking it. And go look at the Sermon on the Plain. It's all very practical teaching. But I don't know how anyone misses a spiritual teaching here hmm. um, from Matthew 5. You want to read those five verses? You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put to prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So there's obviously stuff there that is about interpersonal relationships and not hating someone in your heart or condemning them in your heart, not calling them either moros, which means, you know, like empty headed or raka, which means kind of, you know, empty of, of value. Um, but then when it gets into this thing of being reconciled on the way with your accuser, mm. uh, from the very beginning, I mean, we have commentary about this being a picture of salvation. You're on the road now. You're going to arrive at the bar. Right. And there is uh, a debt owed. And if you don't come to terms on the way, along the way, you will be thrown in the debtor's prison. And yeah. you won't get out until the last penny is paid. It's such a dumb system. Every time, you know, it's, and it's frequently used as a, a metaphor for salvation. Yeah. But if you throw, if you throw someone in prison, yeah. unless they're able to like option the story of their life to, uh, you know, <laughs> like some kind of Palestinian or, <laughs> lifetime, <laughs> like, yeah. how are they going to make money yeah. in order to pay you back? No, so they'd have to send out, you know, to family and friends mm. and basically put out markers to anybody. If you pay to get me out of prison, I will be indebted to you. I will serve you. And, you know, you can What go a good reason deep. not to do it. <laughs> Realizing the end of it, though, is one of those things where you go, oh, okay, well, you know, that's a better reason to not do it. If I know that this action leads to crucifixion, mm, yeah. am I going to do it? <laughs> you know, I, it's going to be way harder. 
And then, as you mentioned, the next day, he says, oh, yeah, I could have gone further with that. Yeah. Because those 100 pounds, A, you probably have interest growing on it because you've borrowed from him. And then, B, every day, even, he says, the best day I ever had of self-reformation, yeah. I sinned enough to send me to hell forever. And so I'm piling on, you know, 100 pounds becomes 200, 300, even while I think I'm paying as I go. And you have no hope apart from Christ Jesus. So the solution is you've got to find somebody who's never, ever sinned, mm. and you've got to somehow take his innocence from him. And, and, and Hopeful is horrified. Like, I don't know that I could do that. Where am I going to find such a guy? And won't I be, even while I take his innocence, sinning anew by taking it from him mm. and becoming then sinful all over again? And that's when he makes the big reveal, which even though he's obviously dabbled in church in the town of Vanity Fair, he hasn't heard the gospel at all. Yeah. No surprise. And here in Vanity Fair, there are churches on, you know, every third corner where you could attend week after week for years and never know that what you need is to find the one who's never sinned and somehow procure his righteousness for yourself. And that that's the only way to possibly hmm. be saved from your guilt. Faithful told me that, this is what he's saying to Christian on the road, uh, Faithful told me that unless I could obtain the righteousness of a man who had never sinned, then neither mine own nor all of the righteousness of, of the world could save me. Hmm. And crazily enough, instead of going <laughs> to Galatians or Ephesians or Romans, we get a little Job 25 dropped in here. It's that, it's that puritanical flex. Yes, I can find a more obscure yeah. reference. But I love those. Yeah. Because it's a reminder that this... Scarlet thread of of substitution and blood. This uh, is redemptive history. This is it's all it from yeah. the very beginning. Mm -hmm. From the moment mankind sinned and God slew some animals and said, "Here's the skins to cover your nakedness." Yeah. This was going to be the story of Scripture. How then can man be in the right before God? How can he who is born of woman be pure? Behold, even the moon is not bright and the stars are not pure in his eyes. How much less man who is a maggot? And the son of man, who is a worm. Hmm. There's no way all of the righteousness of all of mankind could... And, and this, is, this is Job talking, who at the beginning we're introduced to is, he's upright and blameless. Mm. Or is he? Yeah. And, mm. and that's, that's the journey of that story, yeah. I think. And we, we find at the end, he's got to throw himself at the mercy of this God. Because upright and blameless ain't upright and blameless to the God for whom the stars aren't bright. Yeah. Let me pause a moment and ask you about Faithful's pacing here. with Because this, we both know, in order to properly communicate the gospel, which means, you know, you ain't Galeon, good news, you've got to start by adequately communicating bad news. Hmm. Especially in this day and age. There was a time um, when, if only we get back to that time, I'm kidding. But there was a time <laughs> when people knew they were sinful, and that was acknowledged. Hmm. And you could start there. Uh, and you watch Paul deal with the Jews. And he's just like, let me throw you a few of your own commandments. And you're going to go, oh, yeah, I broke them and I'm a sinner. And then we're on the same page. But when he's dealing with Gentiles, they're on the Areopagus spending their time doing nothing but discussing the latest ideas, amusements. And he's got to get them to that point. Do you think Faithful goes too slow and overemphasizes something that Hopeful already knows? which is that he is a broken, hopeless sinner, but he's going to keep on driving it home until this guy has been dragged by the law to the foot of the cross. And how do you know? 
when that point has come? I guess the answer has to be no, because it worked. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that. you know, I guess I I guess if you have kind of the privilege of looking into the scenario, obviously no. I mean, I mean the pacing's perfect, but yeah, I don't know if that's a message that really can be. No, I I won't say that. It obviously can be overemphasized. Right. Yeah. If you never actually get to the gospel, or if your presentation of the gospel is also like doom and gloom, and it isn't sweet and wonderful and attractive to people. If you never hit that but God moment, like Paul always does. We're maggots, but God. Yeah. Uh, If you just keep coming up with every, like, dirt-wiggling creature that's ever existed, you just hyphen, 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 then, yeah, you know. But I I think it's a continually relevant message, both inside leading someone to the cross and then after the cross. Paul's constantly reminding people inside mm-hmm. of the churches, yes, it's difficult to get along with these people because they're like all of this, but you should be used to that because that's where you came from. Yeah. You should be able to empathize with those people and say that, oh, yes, I thought that too. I was right. like that too. I'm not offended on God's behalf because yeah. God wasn't offended by my same mm-hmm. behavior and thought patterns and everything yeah. enough to shun me instead he drew me close so yeah yeah he ate with us and he walked with us and he slept with us and he you know so um so i think that sin and the reality of sin and what it is and what it did in separating us from god and the the cost of sin in god coming and dying for us is a continually relevant concept that needs to be brought up on every step of the walk but if the person is still kind of dealing with it, which is where hopeful kind of seems to be, he's still dealing with it. He still has questions about it. Mm-hmm. You can tell that he doesn't have like a, a super mature concept of sin. And of course, he doesn't have a super mature concept of sin. So he also doesn't have any concept of Christ. Right. You know? In order to have one, you have to have the other or you're, you end up hopeless. I think that his questions, yeah, of course. I mean, he, he could be going to one of these churches that teach nothing about sin and then what do you really have to teach about christ right what it, he's morals, got your picture on his refrigerator that's yeah. pretty much it he uh, thinks it, you're great yeah you know morals thumbs up just don't be like these guys samson is a hero you know <laughs> samson was mansplaining he's no longer a hero well so <laughs> also doing everything he's told not yeah. to do oh, so. <laughs> also the ultimate biblical dirtbag yeah, yeah. But if you don't have the gospel, you've got to go to law. Yeah. It'll either be law light or it'll be the kind of finger waggy, like crush yeah. you and not bring you back to life stuff you were talking about. Either way, graceless. Yeah. And either way, pointless. Yeah. And and there are better things you could do with your time than sit under that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he takes too long. I think that I think that he's working with someone who just genuine questions about sin, about how it operates. And he needs to understand that before he can ever truly understand what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. He has to understand the chasm between him and a holy, just God and what sin really is. Not just a boo-boo, not just a little, oh, you fell down, you picked yourself up and you dusted yourself off kind you're, of thing. You just need a mulligan here. Yeah, yeah. You're not asleep. You're dead. Right. Yes. You know, yes. Uh, this is death. This is something that lives inside of you and it breeds inside of you and it jumps from you into other people. You're having a negative effect on other people inside, living inside of your sins as well. You're not only casting up heaps of judgment on your back, you're casting up heaps of judgment on other people's back too by supporting their sin, by loving their sin. By So it, I don't know if that message, I think it'd be hard to be biblically grounded and then overemphasize that message. There's a story about D.L. Moody that he gave a hardcore convictive sin 
message at a at a meeting once. Hmm. Uh, he was, of course, a travel. If you don't know, you know. But if if you, dear listener, don't know, he was a traveling evangelist. He, he was from Chicago. Even though he was, I, I saw the spot in Boston. There's a plaque of the spot where he was converted, which I thought was kind of cool. A digression from the digression. He was in Chicago. He was doing that. He was saying that, you know, you are a worm, you are hopeless, but it was working. People were convicted. Mm -hmm. And then he said, listen, Jesus said, count the cost. Don't rush into this. Go home. Think about this. Pray about this. Decide whether you want the solution and you're willing to give anything to be saved Mm -hmm. and come back tomorrow. And then, so the story goes... The Chicago fire happened that night. Ah, yes. A bunch of the people perished. The meeting the next night, obviously, was canceled. And he said to himself, I will never again do that. I will always, always bring the whole gospel. Yeah. Now, faithful, granted, he gets interrupted a lot. So it's not necessarily... Right. At one point, hopeful just says, I got to go have fun. Forget this. Another point, somebody says, yeah, hey, tauntingly. who are you talking to this guy? Go up and mop something. But faithful knows at any point he's going to be dragged away. And put to his death. Yeah. And yet he doesn't rush through and get to the sinner's prayer. And what I think is interesting is he does get to a sinner's prayer. Mm. He gives him a sinner's, the best sinner's prayer I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. But he doesn't rush to it. He doesn't say, listen, I got the solution. It's this. Say this. And then, boom, you can live forever with Jesus in heaven when you die. Right, right. Well, and, and, and I think that's worth mentioning, right? Inside camps that we run in, the sinner's prayer is given a lot of downward glances, mm-hmm. down the nose right. glances. Yeah. And and probably as, as a false decisionism where you look at it and you go, it, where a lot of this finds its base, you know, finianism and these different kind of concepts. Yeah, maybe. Right. If you're maybe. saved by your decision or your commitment mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah. Uh, well, especially when you look at the you know, statistics and you see how many of those people stayed right. Christians or stayed in churches at all. Abysmal. Right. But this isn't like hopeful went to a two-hour rally was presented with the gospel, had an emotional reaction because people around him were emotional, and then made a decision in a moment, right? I mean, he's spending days working through this, and he has to keep going back into the environment, right? He has to keep going back into the environment that he found pleasurable, have a conversation, then go back to the environment Mm -hmm. that he found pleasurable. And every single time, it's less and less and less until he gets to the point where he goes, well, I didn't have a good time because of you. It's your fault. So it's his, your fault his, I didn't have fun sinning. His life in between the interactions is the illustrations of the sermon, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Yes. I don't have a problem if the sinner's prayer operates like that. I don't know how you get saved without a sinner's prayer of mm-hmm. some kind. Right. But I think you ought to also pray it a version of it every day, mm. <laughs> right? Lord, I am a great, a very great sinner. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- thank you for your blood, which has saved me and continue making of me a new creation. I mean, like, that's a sinner's prayer. And you're not you're not a sinner anymore. It's not your identity. Hmm. But you still have the old Adam living in you, and you still contend with these things. And hopefully sin, which was living in you before, is dying in you now. Yeah, yeah I don't like to throw that out. I, I was saved at a very young age when my old man knelt down next to my bed when I said I wanted to, to get saved and said, pray after me this prayer. I remember it almost verbatim. Classic standards. Boilerplate sinner's prayer. Absolutely saved in that moment. Wow. Why? Because I knew what it was about. I knew what the language meant of Jesus living in my heart. Mm. I understood what it was supposed to mean. I don't think it's the clearest way to communicate the gospel. Sure. But I I knew what it meant. Yeah. If you can look back and say, I understood that I was a sinner, even as a child. Yeah. I mean, really, children have a a great sense at, at a certain age. They have a great sense of, wow, when mom and dad tell me to do something, I really don't want to do it. Mm. 
rebellion mm-hmm. right there. I mean, like there, there's certainly a sense that that you have, and then as you get older, you have more and more and more and more of a sense. And for him to be able to walk faithful so so deep into the darkness that is in his in himself in his own soul yeah. and then shine the light yeah i think it's masterfully done yeah and us individually going back to the dl moody piece how much we need to be conscious of like us winning that person over versus us being a part of winning that person over i think is really important you know knowing that knowing that you might just be the seed planter that might just happen, and then that person could never meet them again. Right. God has seven thousand others in this town who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Yeah. I'm not his only guy. Yeah. Like Elijah thought he was the only. No, I'm not his happen. only guy. It can happen, and and we continue being active in it. We continue praying for them. It's not always us that needs to be. You know, well, I need to work work the person through the steps. I need to get them through all the steps. If if I don't do it, it won't get done. Right. Eh. I don't know. I think God's a little more sovereign and and, and in control than that. And also, I don't know. Like, how much can you control a fire? Right? right, especially that one of that size. Like, I mean, like when you when you talk about the extremes and stuff like that, the doctor had a similar thing with you know the bombings in England, yeah. where he would preach conviction, and then people would go home, and then their houses would get bombed, and people would die. Okay, well, you know, how much is that on you versus people bombing houses versus versus like their if, own personal decisions? If there's I don't know. bombings going on, I'm going to say, mm. all right, we're all here now, yeah, and I've preached the law, yeah, and I've used it to break you, I'm going to preach the gospel. And then I'm mm-hmm. going to say, I come back again tomorrow as well, and I'm going to, and I'm going to do the whole thing again. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not, when you if say that the person, doctor. If that person stays You mean Dr. Uh, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, right? Yeah, the doctor. The, the, the only the doctor. doctor. Yeah. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to stand in judgment over his tactics. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, it, it works It works here. You know, I, I have, uh, hopeful tell him that Christian's being kind of catty to him. But, <laughs> But in Bunyan's original, he has no idea. You know, they're separate. They're separated. He yeah. doesn't know. And, and, and honestly, hopeful being the guy bringing them food is also all my invention. So that's, yeah. this doesn't really apply to Bunyan's original. But you know, he wouldn't know what Christian was doing. Maybe, maybe he'll be killed and Christian will carry it on. Maybe Christian will be the one killed and he'll continue this work mm. for a few more days. Who knows what's going to happen? All he knows is while he draws breath, he's going to give the whole counsel of God. He's not going to give some sugar-coated, Vanity Fair-friendly yeah. version of the gospel. Yeah. Well, you know, how do I win this person from this culture in what way? You know, it's that, um, it's that, uh, it's that boys quote, right? What you win them with, you win them to. Um, if, you, if you put out this kind of, you know, false concept of Christianity, then, of course, the person's going to be won to a false Christianity. And you shouldn't be surprised when they abandon it or they live in unrepentant sin, you know, but I'm still saved. Grace may abound, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's a false gospel, you know? It, do- it doesn't have power to save because Jesus isn't at the center of it. Your sinfulness and Jesus' actions for you aren't at the center of it. So he tells him eventually he can be saved by trusting in what Jesus accomplished in the days of his flesh when he suffered by hanging on the tree. That's how Hopeful sums up the message that mm-hmm. Faithful had given him. By trusting in what he accomplished in the days of his flesh when he suffered by hanging on the tree. That kind of language is just incredible mm. to me. I love it. Uh, there, there's so much kind of majesty and, and mystery in it, rather than the, the very cute ways we will mm. 
boil down the gospel into these these pithy sayings. Colossians 1.21, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. I mean, there's another one here, but I don't know that we need to read it. That's mm. that's as clear as yeah. it gets. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Can you close your eyes and give it to us by memory? No. I see you as our... our Not for our a while. Resident Petran scholar here at Judson Baptist. That'd be a mistake. <laughs> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Ultimately, I think in those few words, trusting in what he accomplished in the days of his flesh when he mm-hmm. suffered by hanging on the tree is the gospel. And yeah. then minus uh, the resurrection, which he's also it's going necessary. to necessary. Right, to but it. yeah. I think that you have the resurrection in view if you're looking to the crucifixion for power. I mean, mm. obviously, if someone just dies and stays dead, yeah. you just go, oh, that's a shame. Mm. If someone dies and rises again, it makes sense to say, oh, there's some power in that. And then he says, hold on, how could any just God like turn a blind eye to this shady dealing, right? Mm. Where, where I take somebody else's righteousness and claim it for my own. And he says, this Jesus is Almighty God. Yeah. Uh, and then he points us back to Isaiah 9, 6, this great prophecy. We only read at Christmas for some silly reason. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I wonder if the divinity of Christ is anywhere in the Old Testament. <laughs> yeah. And, and then he says, go to him. Just go to him. Hopeful says, but what? what how can I presume it's not presumptuous because you were invited to come. Mm. And there I, I was kind of guessing what were going to be these texts as I was reading. And then I looked down at the footnote and none of the ones that I had thought of were <laughs> even made the cut. That's another flex. Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm a Puritan yeah. myself pretty much. Yeah. No, but don't you think like go out in the highways and byways and, and stuff like that? Yeah. Or come to me all who uh, labor. Oh, that's, that's the first one that is given here. Um, yeah. Read that for us if you would. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the best thing I've ever heard. It is really great. Oh my gosh. Anyone who hasn't read read Gentle and Lowly, I think, needs to go read Gentle and Lowly. I haven't. I should. Are you going to to loan me your copy? Or is it like a digital copy inside your... Oh, all right. Well, I'll buy you. I'll, no. I'll buy you the leather one that uh, Crossway put out. No, really, it is. It is the best book I think I've written. Re- I've, I've written. It's uh, that's not. I'm not. Plot twist. Yeah, Mr. Sagacity. I'm, I'm one of the Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have saw that coming? Oh yeah, yeah, Gavin. What's it? Who's it? Dane. Dane. Dane Orleans. Yeah, it's yeah. Dane. It's the Presby one. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? They're all great in my yeah, mind. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what a what a great family. No, but, but honestly, I think you can loan Kindle books. You could loan it to me, oh, and then I have like a clock. And then you can be like, do you read it yet? Do you read it? It's um, fantastic. It's wonderful. And it just, it's, it's just chapter after chapter expressing 
how this is the heart of the gospel and this whole concept of him being gently and lowly in heart is it. If this isn't him, yeah. we cannot come to him. Yeah. And even an invitation, if it's based on like, you're my subjects and I'm your king, come, the moment you come in and they're like, wait, disloyal subjects working against the king? Mm. There goes your head. You're mm. dead. And so it has to be, come to me un- with this understanding. Yeah. You're broken. You're, you're a mess. You're laboring, but getting nowhere. You're crushed. Come yeah. to me and I'm going to offer you rest yeah. that, because I'm not like the kings of the nations. Well, it's and, and just like the Israelites, we want yeah. a king who's like the kings of the nations. And he says, no, 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 I'm better than that. I don't stand a head taller like Saul. Yeah. I'm actually down low with you. And instead of killing you in a, in a wrath, I heal you. Mm. That's a, totally foreign to hopeful. And I think it's totally foreign to everybody who thinks they know what Jesus is all about, but hasn't ever really heard the gospel. Mm. You know, I, I would say 95% of Americans and probably 75% of church-going Americans, based on very recent surveys we've seen, don't have any sense of this. It, it, yeah. It's on us to communicate it. Mm. So you have to get that, you know, you're sinful and that because of these things, the wrath of God has come. You have to get that. Mm. But you have to get yourself from there to this. You're invited to come. John 7, 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. What? Mm. Yeah. You know, you watch Lawrence of Arabia and there's a thing where they're like, they're starving. I do. Yeah, right. everyone does. It's a classic. All right. Uh, they're, they're in the desert. They're, they're dying of thirst. And they go and they find a well and they're drinking. And the guy comes out and just shoots one of them dead because oh. that's what you do. You protect your water. Okay. In this part of the world, you protect your water. It's such a vital resource. And Jesus says, no. I mean, he says to the woman at the well, I'll give you a drink. If you knew who I was. never be thirsty yeah. again. If you, yeah. If you knew who you were talking to, and you will in a minute. Yeah. And you're going to get the drink, and then you're going to just, basically the rest of your life is just telling everybody about this guy you met. Yeah, don't uh, come. Th- this is the invitation. And, you know, when you hear people talk about preaching and giving a strong invitation, hmm. I know what they mean, and I often will kind of, in the same way that in our circles you look down at a sinner's prayer thing or the altar call or whatever, and like, uh-huh, you have to give the invitation. Right. Whether it the, what you mean, you know, come up here and repeat after me, or whatever, there has to be the invitation. There has to be the call to belief. Yeah. And I honestly, the older I get and the more I realize no one group uh, or, or subsect has all the answers, the less prone I am to critique any kind of sincere invitation yeah. that acknowledges sin and points to Christ as the answer, yeah. the balm for what ails us. I mean, there, there's really an uh, infinite number of ways to do it. And I, so I don't like, you know, idolizing one and demanding, especially if it's rooted in the last 150 years. Hmm. But I also don't want to, you know, come in and say, you're, you're pointing people to Jesus the wrong way. Right, right. If, if the content of the gospel is right, get them to the cross. Hmm. Get them to, down the aisle. Get yeah. them to the altar. Get them on the steps. Get them filling out a card. I don't care. Get them to Jesus. And we can worry about other stuff later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we can have a debrief in heaven and go, mm. eh, I mean, we won't want to and we won't right. care to, but let's just put it off till then. Hmm. In the city. <laughs> let's, let, you know, let's take care of that stuff in the city. That's, that, dude, that's, that's my new thing. So, so like in Jewish circles, if there was a debate about doctrine or, or something or, or uh, some passage of Torah, they'd say, when Elijah comes, he'll settle it. Okay. Um, and now maybe what we should say is, 
you know what? Let's put that off. Well, let's let's table that until the Celestial City. Hmm. Yeah, that's and not Jesus important enough to take up. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, okay, we could just do that, but I was trying to be Pilgrim's Progressy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not presumptuous. Anyway, okay. uh, so he says to him, basically, just give me the steps. Hmm. Uh, you know, maybe he wants a sinner's prayer. Maybe he wants he wants something. I, I don't know why Faithful doesn't say to him, let's pray right now. Hmm. Maybe he has a sense we might get interrupted. Maybe he, he doesn't want to speak on behalf of hopeful things that aren't truly coming from hopeful's heart. And I think that is a danger of this. Oh, yeah. Like, I say a few words and you say a few words. You don't even know where I'm going. But you're yeah. repeating the words I'm saying as if they're your own. It reminds me of if you're at like a, a very emotive worship gathering, the kinds of music will sometimes talk about like deep, deep longings and, you know, like fires in your lungs and stuff. And it's sure. like, I'm singing the things I feel, but I don't feel them. Hmm. Instead, why don't I just sing biblical truth and I can And affirm. that'll make me feel. Yeah. And may, maybe yeah. it'll make me feel that today. Maybe it won't, but at least I, and, and so like he, he tells him the gist of what to pray. And I'm sure not thinking that, that hopeful is going to memorize it. Rather, this is the spirit with which you come to Christ and what you ask him for. And then he sends him away to do it. Do it in the darkness of your own home with the hopelessness of all the reminders of your wickedness around you. Do it right next to where you keep your stupid little whistle that you play to shut up the voices in your head. (laughs) Whatever. And it works. But again, I don't think I would have judged him if he had said, hey, I'm reaching out through the little port in in the door. Take my hand and let's pray right now. Yeah, it's something I've always I've been working through ever since becoming a father, and and especially since my son's starting to become more questiony and you mm-hmm. know uh, knowledgeable about faith is is you know you know I don't want to I don't want to pray things for you, right? right? I still want to teach you how to pray though. Mm-hmm. You know, I still want to teach you doctrine in ways that you can understand it. I still want to hopefully his mother and I lead you to Christ. But I don't want to take every step for you. Right. This isn't what this is. So, you know, finding that balance between allowing that person to kind of find their own way, but you're right there with them, helping them find their own way. It's complex. It's going to be more genuine if he has to go home at night and wrestle with it and deal with it and seek after the Lord on his own. Pleading um, for him to show yeah, me Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's harder to genuinely plead around other people. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You have you a know? sense of how you look to them. And, yes, and yeah, yeah. When you're, when that's you're, a good point. When you're alone in that prayer closet, you know, for the you know for the Puritans, when you're alone in that prayer closet, and you can really just pour out your soul to the Almighty in groans and whines, in unintelligible words that He understands that others might not. What it really looks like to plead after God, it's messy. And you know, I think I think for for certain people, especially those who are coming into faith later on in life, like me. It, it was it was filled with tears and it was filled with emotion and it was filled with hating certain feelings that are occurring inside of your body. That's not something I want to do in public. That's not something I want to necessarily do in front of somebody else. So it was more beneficial to kind of have the person that led me to faith explain the concepts to me. And then this is, of course, after years and years and years after faithfully presenting the gospel to me and have me deal with a lot of the stuff, though, on my own mm-hmm. in private. So I think that there's an element there, too, where he's coming from some pretty wicked, dark stuff, probably, that I don't want to talk about with another person. Right. I just want yeah. to share with God, you know, and he already knows, and I know that. He's not going to shock faithful, but 
Yeah, he yeah. He but, doesn't need to confess to faithful. Yeah, all of these things. You know, I, I, I've always been critical of the not to not to pile further on kind of revivalism, but <laughs> of the every get em. head yeah. <laughs> bowed, every eye closed, raise your hand. Yes, I see that hand as if that guy seeing the hand matters. Christ sees <laughs> hand. But like, I've always thought, like, why aren't you like every eye open, every head up? You 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 got to be ready not to be ashamed of him before men. This yeah. is the safest place, right? It's your, you're in a, a, a religious meeting. But maybe that's kind of what they're trying to do in, in its purest form, hmm. is to create this situation where it's you coming to God. Yeah. And I think then what you'd need to do is either one, give some space for people to pour out their own hearts, not in your words. Yeah. Or two, have preached the gospel that you're going to have them pray so explicitly hmm. that they can know before you start, yes, I accept what he just said and everything he tells me to pray, even if it's a few words at a time, yeah. I am on board. Yeah, One or the other is going to get you there. Um, or, you know, there's the liturgical approach to things where you, you say, we're all taking this journey slow together. Yeah, I'll tell you what, there are three people in my nuclear family and I'm the only one who could tell you when I was saved, like a date. My wife was raised in the Lutheran church. My son was raised in a Baptist church. I know when he was baptized. Right. I don't know when he put his faith in Jesus because from infancy, like Timothy, mm-hmm. he was taught the gospel. And I don't remember him ever saying, oh, I believe it now. He, he's very good at articulating the Christian faith. It's his, not mine. Mm-hmm. I have asked him, what do you think about this or that or whatever? And, and he has views on things that are his own, but I don't know for sure when that happened. And I think that's okay. He has wrestled with things and my wife growing up undoubtedly had questions. She went through a catechism class before Mm -hmm. she was confirmed. And she said a lot of the people in that class went up there because their parents said to, and they sat on the chancel and the minister asked questions and they didn't answer any of them. Mm -hmm. And then at the end they got the certificate and they got confirmed in the church she said, I asked it, I asked that guy so many hard questions. He would sigh when I'd raise my hand, but <laughs> I knew what I believed when I came through it. Yeah. So yeah, again, the, this journey, it's like there's a beautiful stained glass window in our sanctuary, which is the cross and then all these winding blue lines going all throughout and they all converge on the cross. Yeah. And it's a picture of how Jesus is the only way, but there's an infinite number of ways to get to the cross mm. and God and his sovereignty is working these things out. Uh, and I- I'm for all of them. Mm. I'm pro every one of the ways that gets you <laughs> to the foot of the cross to receive salvation. The instructions he's given are rather vague. And I think by design, uh, hopeful says, I asked him what I must do when I came to Christ and faithful told me that I must first fall to my knees and plead with all of my heart and soul that the father would reveal him to me. Uh, one of the texts that is footnoted here is Jeremiah 29, 12 and 13. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This is another situation where a Christian might read this and say, you're, you're overcomplicating things, Bunyan. Why does he go to the wicked gate instead of straight to the cross? And even Spurgeon said that was a mistake. He should have said go straight to the cross. Yeah. Uh, and in this case... You know, why is he having to go again and again and again before God saying, reveal the son to me? Why doesn't he just go to him once, say, I I believe, I'm forgiven, woohoo. And I I don't know, it, it's based on his experience uh, of salvation, Bunyan's own experience. 
And a passage like the one you just read, I mean, if we have to seek him and seek after him, he's not far from you, Paul said. Reach out, you know, and, and seek the Lord while he may be found. It doesn't mean there's no effort that has to go into seeking him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean your flesh isn't going to get in your way and your your rebellious will isn't going to trip you up on purpose and the enemy is not going to confuse things and distract you. It may be a bit of a journey. That's the whole point of this whole story. It's a big, long journey, and sometimes it's hard to get started. Do you find it odd that Hopeful says, I tried and tried and tried again, and it took some time before God actually did answer this prayer? When it seems like the prayer we always tell people, you can assume God will answer it instantly. I think that there's plenty of room throughout the scriptures for wrestling, obviously both physically, yeah, <laughs> um, right wrestling, Jacob, right? <laughs> you know, um, uh, but, but like really working through things. I think that I think there, there's, you know, plenty of examples that we could go through looking at this reality. So I don't think it's that strange that he can come again and again and again. And his feelings and his emotions and his response to sin is a tool that God is kind of using. And I think it's part of that genuine testing. It's, we had really counted the costs. You know, what about this? What about that? What about this? It's things that pop into your head throughout prayer. Well, no, that doesn't matter. I'm willing to give that up. I'm willing to give this up. I'm willing to, you know, no longer go here or watch this or do this. or And then to not walk away satisfied with an answer every single time we pray, I think is part of it. It's part of this trusting aspect of Christianity. This is hope. Sure, the thing that we're hoping in, we don't see. But mm-hmm. also, you know, you know, we don't we don't see God's hand moving all of the time necessarily either. And it's still, well, are you still hoping though? Is it still, you know, this faith in this thing unseen? So I don't think that that's that odd. And obviously he's going to walk away from this a really, really tried and true, knowing what he believes Christian. Because when they get into the thick of it later in, you know, the story, it's him, not Christian, mm-hmm. who's going to pull them out of scenarios because he knows what he believes. He knows, and his hope is anchored in yeah. in Christ. He and he's he's been deprived of him and, mm. and felt a, a distance, and then gotten to him already. Yeah. So so it, he knows he knows how to deal with that roughness, that toughness. It's almost too a little bit like faithful, not just dumping the whole gospel on him at once. And you mm. go, hold on a minute, what if? What if he uh, doesn't have the chance to hear the rest of the gospel? Yeah. This idea of you could say, well, why doesn't God just immediately say, oh, you came to me and you, you want some of what I'm selling? Oh, no one else has come to my restaurant in days. So here, 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 here. <laughs> no, he says, um, keep pursuing. Let's yeah. see. Do, do you truly want to yeah. take up a cross, leave everything behind and yeah. follow me likely to death? Right. And if you're willing to try once and go, oh, he didn't, he didn't answer. I'm done. Right. Or are you willing to camp out on the front porch there and keep on pursuing him until indeed he does answer you? Is Peter willing to keep saying that he loves him? Yeah. Despite getting hurt. The version that I'm using uh, is edited by Dr. Horner, and he points out uh, when he says, after all these times of going to him and not having this prayer answered, uh, that that the Father would reveal the Son, one day I was particularly sad, and Mm. that's the day that it happened, that he sees him and actually encounters him. Uh, and that he points to grace abounding to the chief of sinners, section 115. And this is, again, proof that almost all of these characters that are following Jesus have shades of bunion in them. Mm. Uh, he says, I remember that one day as I was traveling into the country and musing on the wickedness and blasphemy of my heart and considering the enmity that was in me to God, that scripture came into my mind. Having made peace through the blood of the cross, Colossians 1.20, 
by which I was made to see both again and again that God and my soul were friends by his blood. Yea, I saw that the justice of God and my sinful soul could embrace and kiss each other through his blood. This was a good day to me. I hope I shall never forget it. It was a day when he was particularly low. And I think that's what he was trying to convey with with hopeful uh, having to get to a point of just hopelessness when it comes to looking inward for salvation and have nothing but him. Nothing but Christ. He has to be be brought low first. Poverty, yeah. Gotta be. And and this, of course, is the... uh, origin of the the sloppy wet kiss praise song you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I love that language my my sinful soul and the justice of god not even just gotten the justice of god and my sinful soul could embrace and kiss mm. through his blood mm. that's how powerful his blood is so that's when this prayer is answered the rest of these are pretty much uh going to be elements of this sinner's prayer it's scripture woven into scripture, woven into scripture, and that's why it's so good. Mm. It's not, I can come up with a better metaphor for it. Jesus living in your heart, you inviting him into your life, um, what, whatever it is, him becoming your new daddy, whatever it is, like, <laughs> even if it's an idea that you could defend sort of scripturally, we have so much language from God's inspired word. Why would you present the gospel with some cutesy new spin on it? Hmm. Bunyan doesn't. Uh, Faithful doesn't. He says, here's what you ought to pray. And he just gives. And praying scripture, you and I both know, we both have, have, have been a fan of this for some time, yeah. is the best way to pray. Yeah. Because you know what you're praying is right. Yeah. Before giving him the actual content, uh, Hopeful is worried that he's going to go to him and he's going to be shut down. He's going to respond with wrath. Right. There's no chance... Uh, you'll find him sitting on a mercy seat where he sits throughout each year providing mercy and forgiveness for those who come to him. Uh, Exodus 25, 22, uh, reference to the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. There I will meet you and from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim that are on the Ark of the Testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. And then the author of Hebrews, St. Paul, says in uh, Hebrews 4.16, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. There we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And he seems to be, when we get to chapter 9, thinking of God in a heavenly tabernacle. That is, Mm. you know, enduring forever where Christ himself offered his blood, a greater tabernacle. And there God is also on a mercy seat. Mm. He's ready to receive sinners with mercy. So, pray like this, colon, open quote. He gives him an actual prayer. I'm tempted to use this in the course of an a <laughs> altar call at some point. I think it would be very, very cool. little uh, bunion Easter egg for the devotees <laughs> in the crowd and also salvation for the sinners. But, uh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and enable me to know and believe in Jesus Christ. There's obviously that Luke 18, 13. Mm-hmm. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Another one of these central pictures of of what Jesus came to teach. Mm -hmm. This picture of human religion versus Christ-centered, God-centered religion. But that one doesn't emphasize this, enable me to know and believe in Jesus Christ. The fact that faith is a gift, that eyes have to be opened that Jesus speaks again and again about people who can see but do not comprehend, who hear but don't understand, that the reason he teaches in parables is so that 
people will hear him and not understand. Right. That if you're going to see him, these eyes of faith have to be given to you and the chosen instrumental means for those to come to you by God's grace is your falling on your face and beating your breast and begging for mercy. Then he grants you the ability to see in Jesus the remedy for your sorry state. Yeah. That whole thing fitting together. Uh, I have heard that you are a merciful God and have ordained that your son Jesus Christ should be the savior of the world. We could read the whole New Testament as the <laughs> footnote did that. Right. <laughs> uh, they're all from John. Uh, let's go back and forth. Start it off. John one twenty nine. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then in John 4.42, they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. That's the people of the Samaritan village talking to the, the woman at the well. First John 4.14, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. It's almost like the New Testament really wants us to get the idea really that Jesus that. is the well, Savior of the world. Especially John. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. John oh, seems yeah. kind of... Almost well, I've written all these things yeah. so that yeah. you would believe in him mm-hmm. as the savior of the world. That's why it's the best gospel. It, it, it is. I mean, it's the best gospel. I think Say it. John and Luke together. Oh, Jean-Luc. Lost me. <laughs> <laughs> all four of them are good. Oh, they're all really, yeah. So, yeah. Solid reads. Solid, yeah. Four stars. Five, five stars. Five out of five. It, it depends on really? how many stars are in the system. Yeah. yeah. If it's five, I give it five. Uh, six even. Extra star. Bonus star for being written by, by God. It's uh, nice of you. <laughs> so there's a little more to the prayer, but but that's the gist of it. So I continued praying until the Father revealed his Son to me. And the scripture given there is Matthew eleven twenty seven. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Hmm. So there is a absolute reliance on God to even show us our need for our absolute reliance on God. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. It's not going to fly well with most Westerners today, uh, but that's okay. Well, yeah. The, the gospel message is also not going to fly well with most people alive today. Right. So, or most I people mean, alive. Anywhere. Ever. Yeah, no, yeah. But the notion of being yeah. helpless. Yeah. It, it doesn't sit well. And of course, it, it, you know, we think about people who, you know, don't contribute anything to society or leech off people or are users or whatever. And the scriptures rebuke that approach yeah. to life. You know, if, if a man will not work, he will not eat, that sort of thing. We're not talking about being completely reliant on other people because you're lazy. We're talking about that poverty of spirit, understanding spiritually. You have to say, I can't do any of the work that gets me from the pit to out of the pit. The harder I try to climb, the slimier I get, mm. and the less progress I make. Yeah. So that was the day then that he sees him, when he was incredibly sad. And he says, I did not see him with my physical eyes, but rather with the eyes of my understanding. And that points us to Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might? The eyes of your heart enlightened. And of course, Jesus gave sight to the blind, and that was a picture for us of what he does for us, just as bringing the dead back from from the Mm -hmm. dead to life was a picture, uh, making the lame walk. All of these things are physical 
illustrations of what he does for us spiritually. And the words of Jesus are all taken directly from Scripture. Acts 16, uh, the Philippian jailer, What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And that's what Jesus says to him, Believe on me. And then the rest pretty much comes from John 6, uh, from a few verses there, if you want to read those. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. I really love that uh, question of what is it, though? What do you mean believe? Mm -hmm. What What is it to believe? And Jesus quoting this. It's a really good question. And him saying, oh, so the parallelism here makes me understand coming to you for for food and believing in you for a drink, uh, they're the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that to desire for your salvation and to run after you is the kind of believing that we're talking about. Not just mental assent. Yeah. Uh, not just signing your name on a dotted line or filling out a card or whatever, uh, or even you know, going to a church. Yeah. Or, or or subscribing to the right confessions or the right podcast. Well, that one I think will get you there. <laughs> but, yeah, you have to actually come to him for what is lacking in you. And that, that is the kind of believing we're talking about here. And then finally, Hopeful says, For up till that time, no thought had come to my heart that revealed the beauty of Jesus Christ. This is such a common thing for people to be inoculated to the gospel because they have a little knowledge about it. They read a Wikipedia page. Maybe they did a stint in a local church when they were younger. I've got it. I know what you're selling. I don't have any use for it. I think it's for simple-minded people, or I Mm. think it's for, you know, people who are easily manipulated by guilt or whatever. But they've never had a thought come into their heart that revealed the beauty of Jesus Christ. They've never really believed and come to him. They truly don't know him. And so there's, like Job says, speaking of things of which they know nothing. Mm. Uh, Isaiah thirty three seventeen. your eyes will behold the king in his beauty. They will see a land that stretches afar. Uh, and Spurgeon gave a very famous communion meditation on that, on that text. And, you know, how we come to him, yeah. just like we come to the table to receive bread and, and the cup, we come to him and our eyes behold his beauty. And the king in his beauty, in our case, is a lot different than the king in his beauty for the nations, where mm. he's high and lifted up on a throne, holding a scepter, being fed grapes by beautiful women. Ultimately, our king will be high and lifted up on a throne and on a a horse of war, but we encounter him in his beauty, hanging naked on a cross. Um, You know, I like to sum things up with stuff I saw on social media in 140 characters or less. And I saw (laughs) saw this great... Triggered. I I retweeted this great thing the other day. Uh, I don't remember who it was, so I can't attribute it. But it said, uh, Adam and Eve hid behind the tree, naked in shame. Christ hung on a tree naked for our shame. And I thought, you know, it's a little too cute the way it's put, but that could be the core of a really great sermon. Hmm. You think about our sin and our shame and all the stuff we do and how it's easy to look at Adam and Eve and say, you idiots. He created the universe and he's all-knowing and all-seeing. He's going to see you behind those bushes. You're so dumb. And yet our inanity, hopeful move of... Let me pour myself into all this stuff in order to not have to deal with my sin and shame mm. is just as dumb, if not dumber. Mm. And what we need is to encounter him on his terms, on the cross. Well, the tree we hide behind is 
Christ on the cross, right? Yeah. That'd be that'd be an interesting graphic. Ooh, have yeah. Them, have them peeking out from behind the tree. You know who needs to do that? That full of eyes guy. You know that guy? No, I have no idea full, what you're talking about. Fullofeyes.com. You should check that out instead of YouTube shorts. He sounds like a freak. He's amazing. Really no, it's, it's from it's from Ezekiel. It's uh, oh okay. It, it's I really cool graphic. You probably saw the one that I often post where it's uh, the cross uh, and you just see Jesus' feet nailed to it. Oh, the serpent. And I've the serpent that. is sure. there nailed. That, and, and oh my gosh, there's a yeah. bunch of stuff just like that. That's very cool. That that seems right up his alley to have Adam and Eve hiding yeah. behind the. Not knowing it, yeah. but but That's now awesome. instead of hiding behind the, in that promise of Genesis 3.15, they're now hiding behind the better tree. Perhaps you have not uh, ever had a thought come to your heart that reveals the beauty of Jesus Christ. And maybe that like hopeful you're making all these, uh, he talks about his recent amendments and you're trying to uh, live your best life now. You're trying to do all the good you can, or you're trying just to listen to so many podcasts and watch so many shows and think about so many pointless things that you're out of energy and you don't have anything left for the state of your soul. If that's the case, you need to pray and pray all the more that the Father will reveal the Son to you. I highly recommend you get into Bunyan's text here and read this again. This is very late in the in the book, and it's Christian and hopeful walking over the enchanted ground, uh, talking about his conversion, and there's that prayer there. That'd be the prayer to pray again and again. And if you have found him, don't lose sight of the fact that you are indeed a sinner saved by grace. That the reason that Faithful was able to lead this man to faith is because he had remembered who he used to be so that he could continually praise God for it. Don't lose sight of that. Stay rooted in the simplicity of the gospel and stay on the narrow way. Thanks for listening. To support this program and for additional content and perks, visit patreon.com slash pilgrimsprogress. Make sure you don't miss a beat by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts, and please take a moment to leave us an honest review. This recording, copyright 2022, high and silver, all rights reserved. Produced by Brad Atchison and Zachary Bartles. Theme music licensed from Pond5.com. Scripture quotations are from the ESV Bible, the Holy Bible English Standard Version, copyright 2001 by Crossway, a publishing ministry of good news publishers. Used by permission, all rights reserved. For more audio experiences of my fiction, visit www.zacharybartles.com audio. Hi, and Silva. Good.